Today's reading is from Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us, who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the reading of God's word. You know, if, you know, it's like, whoa, that really got bigger there. <laughs> Sometimes when I hear my voice, it's like, is that, is that my voice? Um, do I sound like that? Um, but th- think of how it's different when you were a kid compared to now when you're an adult or kids, when you will be an adult, think of how that will be different. When you were a kid, you entertained yourself with toys, with dolls, with Legos, with slime, and now for some of you, you're still on the same track and we're waiting for you to grow up. But no, I mean, and as an adult, it's different. You, you entertain yourself with DIY shows. You entertain yourself with cooking shows or, th- you know, little things on YouTube, Call of Duty, watching golf. When you were a kid, you said things like, tag, you're it. Or you might say, hey, let's pretend something. And then when you're an adult, you say things like, man, look how much gas costs. <laughs> what happened to the egg costs? Look, let me check my calendar. Or kids, they'll say things like, mine. And then as an adult, you'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to say those things and let me see if how I can maybe share. And so we, we grow, we, our perspectives change of how we think about ourselves, how we think about others, how we think about the world around us from when we, you know, we kind of mature, we grow up. And I think when we become adults, we think, yep, I'm no longer really like a little kid. I've kind of put most of those things behind me, or if you see your kids or somebody else's kids or whatever, and you're kind of like, woof, yeah, they'll grow out of that just like I did. But I think that there's one area 
that we think that we grow out of, that we really think our perspective has changed. And we hear kids say certain things that show us their mentality, and we don't like it. And it's with this phrase, but I don't think we really grow out of it as adults. And it's this phrase, that's not fair. We like to, you know, if my kids say it, kids, I think you're in here, that's like, that, that's like trigger. Like, you're about to see what's fair. <laughs> Boom! You know, like, I'll show you. You know, it's like, gosh. But, but really, do we operate that same way as adults? More, more, more than we really think. I mean, think you get a little bit older and you're, maybe you're in high school and you're in college and you have a group project. And there's, there's some people that are really working hard and they're, they're on top of things. And then there's that other person. And I don't know what they're doing, but they're not really working. And you, maybe that was you and everybody's frustrated with you. Or maybe you're the person working hard and you're frustrated with that person. But you kind of think, man, they, they really shouldn't get the same grade that we get unless it's an F. Because they're not doing anything. But then you, you get older, right? And, and you still have all of those thoughts, all of those things. Fairness. We all think we should, we should get more. I deserved that promotion. I deserve to be in that kind of relationship. Man, I, I deserve to have that vacation. And we, we really have the mentality of effort should be rewarded. Whatever you work for is what you get, and whatever you get is what you work for. But really, this way of thinking is actually kind of bigger than we really know. This, this way of thinking of de- it's only based on deserving, and that's not fair, this is fair, will change how you view everybody around you. It will change how much you even maybe like them, how you see them, and it will also change the way that you see God himself. And so that, that's, that's what's at stake is, is basically is like, how do you see God when it comes to this? And today in this parable, that's Jesus. He's wanting to shape our perspective, shape our hearts. Because if you miss this, you really have a distorted view of life and of God. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Matthew 20. Matthew 20, it's the first book of the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. Right before this, there was this rich man. As you turn there, there's this rich man. He comes to Jesus and he's like, hey, Jesus, what must I get? What must I do to get eternal life? And so he's showing that he has this wrong assumption that he thinks, man, being right with God, having eternal life is something that he can do, that he can earn, that he can just accomplish. And Jesus shows him, yeah, it's not, it's not really about that. You can't earn this. And then Jesus says, you know, goes on to point that out to him, that he's really not that good. And that he, then he tells him, well, go sell everything that you have and come follow me. And the rich guy leaves because he's really worshiping himself. He's really worshiping his money. He's not really interested in worshiping God. And then Jesus says, well, it's, it's, it's impossible it's, hard, it's easier for a camel, big animal, to go through the small hole of a needle than it is for a rich person in the kingdom. And then, then Peter asks this question. He's like, well, yeah, that guy didn't leave everything, but we did. So then what do we get? What's in it for us? And Jesus goes on at the end of chapter 19 to tell them, yeah, there, there are rewards. There are, you know, if, if you do leave everything... Not, not, 
um, that, that God, that whatever, whatever you might sacrifice, whatever you might lose, it might not be in this life, but it might be in the life to come that, that whatever you get in Christ is far more than whatever you sacrifice. But, and then, then, so this is kind of like the backdrop, and then Jesus goes on to tell this parable. Because he's wanting to make sure, hey, hey, I, I know I just said something. Jesus just said something about rewards, but he's like, hey, I want to make sure that your perspective is right in rewards and, and God's generosity. And so that, that's kind of the backdrop of what he's doing. So in, in verse 1, <clears throat> just kind of re- going through the story here, right? Jesus starts off, for the kingdom of heaven is like... Right, so Jesus is describing, hey, this, this, is not, this is not how the world works. This is how God's kingdom, how God works. And he's like, well, the, the, the master goes out and he goes to hire some workers. So uh, at that time in the, in, the, in the town, in a city, you would have this area where people would go to if they needed work. If they didn't have, have a job or anything like that, there was no, like, no unemployment office that they could go to. So there'd be this area typically um, that everybody would know, and it'd be like, all right, hey, the workers, people would hang out there and hope that landowners, uh, different people from the community would come and hire them so they would have a job, maybe for a day, maybe for, for a week. And so the master, he goes to there and he finds some people. He's like, hey, come work for me. And he, and he agrees, I'll pay a denarius. And so basically a denarius is just like a day's wage. You work a whole day, that's what you'd get. And then in verse 3, so he went out about, about 9 in the morning. So, so the first time he goes out, it's about 6 in the morning. Typically the workday was from sunup to sundown, so 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And so... He goes out about nine in the morning, finds others standing there. They're, they're waiting to be hired. All right, hey, why don't you come for me? I'll give you whatever is right. And um, then he goes out again. About noon, about three, did the same thing. I'll pay you what's right. And so any of these guys that are, that are coming in later, they're not expecting to get a full day's wage because they're not working a whole day. And so then... He goes out at the 11th hour, and so that's 5 p.m. So anybody that he's hiring at 5 p.m., they're going to work for one hour. And then he goes, verse 8, so he's hiring all these guys. All right, now the day's done. Verse 8, when evening came, the, the owner tells his foreman, hey, time to, time to settle up, time to pay all the workers, go pay them, start with the, the people that came in last. And so... Foreman goes to, the, to him, to the guy that they just hired, the last bunch. Here's a denarius. Here's a whole day's wage. Boom. There you go. All right, next group. Here's a denarius. Whole day's wage. I know you didn't work that much, but there you go. Next group, same thing. Now, if you're the first crew, if you're the group that you're like, man, I was hired at 6 a.m., I've been working for, for 12 hours, and you're watching this play out, and you're like, all right, that guy here has been an hour. Man, he's just got, he got 100 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever that, that would be. Oh, man. Well, what's going through your mind as, as you're get, the line's getting closer to you? I mean, what's going through your brain? I mean, you're thinking, man, you're probably getting excited. Man, I'm about to get maybe two denarius. Denarius and a half, man, I'm about to get some money. This is going to be a good day. 
Hot dog. I mean, like, like, like think of it this way. Think of if, if there was a big group at a restaurant, 15, 20 people, and one waiter is waiting on this group the entire time. And he, he's doing awesome. He's refilling drinks. He brings them a special dessert. He's cleaning up the, the kids' mess, bringing the kids' coloring books. He's, he's working hard. He's joking. He does a magic trick. All of this for, for the group is entertaining them. Then there's another waiter that comes in at the last minute. Hey, how are you guys doing? The group says, fine, thank you. And he's like, okay. And then five minutes later, the, the, the person that's in charge of this big party says, all right, hey, waiters, come here. First waiter comes, here's 40 bucks. Second waiter's like, man, I'm about to get a big fatty tip, 40 bucks. I mean, how are you feeling if you're the, 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 the waiter that's been doing everything? Are you like, cool? No, you're like, man, I feel gypped. That guy just asked you one question. It didn't do anything. I've been doing everything. You feel like, man, this wasn't, wasn't fair at all. And that's what they do. Verse, verse 11. They began to complain to the landowner. These last men you put in one hour and you made them equal to us. You gave them the same amount as us. I mean, we, this group's like, we were working in the heat of the day. Man, this, it's getting cool now. This is when these guys hop on. Man, we're sweaty. We're stinky. We're dirty. They barely broke a sweat. Not fair. Verse 13. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong because the, the landowner, what did he agree with them? I'll give you a denarius. Right? He's not, he's not being unfair to them. He's doing exactly what he told them they would do. Now, now in this, <clears throat> at this time, that if you were one of these day laborers, you really had very little power. If you went to work for somebody for a whole day, they could pay you less and you could kind of really do nothing about it because you had very little power. You had very little influence. There, were, there, were, there was no guarantee that you're going to be treated fairly as one of these day laborers. And so the landowner here, he's, he isn't taking advantage of them. He's being very fair and doing exactly what he told them to do. He didn't break a promise. But when you, when you read this and you hear this parable, what's your first impulse? I mean, I remember mine when, when I started following Jesus and started reading the Bible in high school. I remember what I felt. I still, I remember what I feel now. I don't like it. I remember feeling angry, like, what? Jesus, what are you doing? This parable's dumb. I don't like it. And, and we, we feel angry. I mean, even think that the master could have avoided the whole thing. What if he said, hey, foreman, let's, let's settle up. Let's pay everybody. Let's just pay the first workers first. Right? And those guys would get a denarius and they would just go off on their way and they would, wouldn't know any better. They'd be happy. And so, and that's, it seems like the landowner in this, this parable, it's like he's almost doing this purposely to kind of cause a stink. So what is Jesus saying here? I mean, real quick, Jesus isn't saying that, that there isn't maybe different rewards 
Um, in heaven, it points to that in other places in Scripture. Jesus also isn't saying that every—Jesus isn't actually talking about the workplace. He isn't saying that everybody should be paid equal. He isn't talking about wages or minimum wage or, or, or any, any of those things. In Second Th- Thessalonians, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. In Proverbs, it, it has multiple passages where it's commending to be diligent, to be a hard worker— so that he's not really talking about what people do or don't deserve in their work. So what is Jesus getting at? Again, it starts off, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And Jesus is showing how you think, how you approach life is differently than how God thinks. How you reward isn't based, isn't like how God rewards. And so here, here's just the first point. First thing is this. We think we deserve more than we get. We think we deserve more than we get. Our mentality, and, and, we, and we, we, we do it when we read this parable, is right, like we go to fairness. We go to what do you deserve? What do I deserve? And we approach God the same way. I'm sure all of us have had a question kind of like this to God. Why did you allow this to happen, God? That isn't fair. Now, I'm not saying that it's not okay to ask that question to God. Right? There, there's lots of places in Scripture where people go to God, they're frustrated with God, they're angry with God, and God's big enough. I like how one person, uh, one friend of mine says, God's chest is big enough for us to beat on. Right? So, so God, God's not like t- saying, oh, you can't go to me with that question. Now, that's not really a thing. But, but is there maybe a, at, at times that question is that re, maybe revealing kind of a sense of maybe entitlement. God, you owe me more. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not just like there's something wrong with the world. With death or suffering or things like that. You're just like, God, that isn't fair. You should be giving me more than that. And we, we, we think that we, we should get that. And, and we get it. This is how the world operates, right? The world operates on you do more, you get more, you deserve more. That's typically how things go. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we let a lot of that mentality slip in. And we have this kind of contract mentality with God. God, if I do A, then you will give me B. But if I don't do A, you don't have to give me B. Maybe you do, but you don't, you don't owe me. Right? That, that's kind of this contract relationship. It, it's kind of like a vending machine. I put in this stuff. I do the good things. I pop in my coins. I push the buttons and out pops the Doritos. That, that's, that's how this works. And if, but if I put in my coins, if I do the good things and out doesn't pop out the stuff, then whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, what is going on here, God? I thought this was the deal we agreed to, right? This is how it's supposed to work. I mean, there's this, this teaching out there that this is called the prosperity gospel, that it's basically just saying if you have enough faith, if you believe God enough, and if you do the right things, then you'll be healthy and wealthy. That's what God will give you. God owes that to you. Now, in case you're wondering, that's not true. Just to be clear, that, that, that's false teaching. God is no one's debtor. 
There's never a moment in God's life where God's like, oh man, thanks, I owe you one. That never happens. I mean, if you want to say who had the most faith ever, who, who lived the, the most obedient life, if you're like, that person's good. If anybody deserves good things to happen to them, it would be that person. It would be Jesus. And then he died. Right? He was put to death for it, for being fully obedient to God. Right? So, so we can't expect necessarily that God owes us more. And most of us, you know, hopefully would probably say, yeah, prosperity gospel, that's, that's not true. But let's be, kind of be honest, some of that kind of slips in, doesn't it? A little bit. We have this contract relationship with God at times. God, you owe me. God, I deserve. God, that's not fair. I like what um, J.D. Greer, who just points out four kind of indicators that you might be slipping into this mentality of how we approach God. So just kind of four indicators that you're, you're having this, this approach to God of, of not fair, I deserve contract relationship. Here's the first one. You get angry with God. You get angry with God because God didn't give you what you thought you deserved or he withheld something or gave you something that you feel like you didn't deserve. I mean, what did it say in verse 11? Verse 11, just look at it. Oh, they see what's happening. They receive it. So they've gotten something. They began to complain and grumble against the master. We do the same thing. We, we, we go to God and we're just, we're just angry with him. Lots of times when God doesn't give us what, what we want, what do we do? Pull away from God. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just not interested anymore. Because God, you're here to serve me. You're here to, you're here to make my life the way I want it to be. And if, they, if you're not doing that, man. Right? I mean, I, I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen multiple people, they'll suddenly get into church, and then God ain't working for them, and they're out. You didn't come through, God. You didn't fix it. Done. I mean, can you imagine if people's kids treated their parents that way? Hey, Dad, can I have some candy? Not now, son. Rawr! That ain't fair, bro. I don't want anything to do. I hate you. Rawr, 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 rawr. I mean, are you like, huh, thanks. I'm going to be like, what, what just happened here? I'm about to handle business. You know, like, what? That ain't unacceptable. Right? And we'd, we'd all be thinking it. If you saw that play out in the world, you'd be like, that kid's spoiled. Something needs to, the parent needs to correct that. But we have the same mentality with God. We get angry with him. You didn't give me what I wanted. Think, think, of, think of maybe like even just when your prayers. When, when, we, when we pray to God, when, when you pray to God, what is the basis that you think God should be listening to you? Is it because of what you have done? You're like, yes, God should be listening to me. Or, or, or you think like, yes, God is listening to me because I've had a good week. Because I went to church today. Is it based on you? Are you basically praying in your own name? And it's based off of you. Or is it based on that God is listening to you and giving anything that he gives to you is not based on what you've done, but on what Christ has done. 
Right? When we pray, right? That, that's why we say it at the end. In Jesus' name. Because the, re, the way that I get to go to you, to pray to you, is not based on me. But it is in Christ's name. What you have done, Christ. What you have earned for me. And so we get kind of angry with God. Second thing. We get jealous. We compare. Man, others have what I deserve. Or they deserve worse than that. Verses 12, right? They, the, they only worked one hour. We worked in the heat of the day. You made them equal to us? And then Master asks, are you envious? Verse, verse 15, are you jealous? And let's just face it, the answer is, yeah, I am. I mean, I, th- I think this is the one that I kind of struggle with the most. God, why, are, why, why am I not successful like that? Why don't I have that cool relative like that? With the cabin and the thing. Why, why, did, why did they get all of this good stuff? And it's frustrating. Like, man, aren't, aren't I following you? I mean, all right. I feel like they're, they're, at, they're this person that actually doesn't believe in you and they have tons of stuff. Or they're kind of half-hearted. Like, I feel like I could see it. They're, they're, they're serving you, but it's really to promote themselves. Why does it look like that for them? Why do they get that job? Why do they get that opportunity? Why do they, why do they have kids like that? Why do they have a relationship like that? And, and, but in that situation, why, why do you get so frustrated with them? Jealousy? Envious? But what's the, like, the point is like, because I deserve more. Or they don't deserve that. It's based on your idea of fairness. And this jealousy builds and you get angry with God, not just with God, but you get angry with them. Resentful. Third thing, insecurity with God. If God is not giving me what I want, what I'm asking for, then he's probably paying me back for something I did. In the Gospels, there's this guy born blind. And the, and, the, and the people come to Jesus and they ask him, who sinned? Right? There's a, bl- a blind guy. Who sinned? Him or his parents? That's this indicator, right? Somebody messed up. And now God... Punishment. Judgment. You messed up? There you go. Can't see. Shows that, shows that, that mentality. And so a lot of times we, we, we think that if we're not receiving the blessings from God, then we think that God's, he doesn't like us very much. Feel a little insecure. We've done something to deserve his withholding. We've done something wrong. I mean, I mean, karma is, is pretty prevalent. Karma is basically this idea that if you do good, good will come back to you. If you do bad, bad will come back to you. And I'll say that's really how pretty much all the other religions work, roughly. Whether it's just kind of the universe doing that or, or some sort of God. You do bad, bad will come back to you. And we could slip into that kind of like within Christianity, even though that's not a Christian teaching. Because here's the truth, Romans 8.1. There is, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
If you want to memorize a verse, I'd I'd highly recommend that one. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Where, like, when is there no condemnation? Now. Now. Not later when you have it a good day. Not, not after you did something to please God. Now. Not when you're being super obedient, but now. Now, period. How much condemnation is there? None. No. Not, not a little bit. Not, it's coming when you mess up. Now, no condemnation. Why? Because we're in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. God, when God looks at you, it's because you're in Christ. When God hears your prayers, it's because you're in Christ. No condemnation. Why? Oh, because it's not based on you. It's because it's based on Christ. And so, so if there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, whatever is happening to you is not because God's just like punking you. It's not because he's punishing you. It's not because there's some sort of penalty. I get it. There sometimes are consequences, but it's not, it's not God trying to like, uh, think again, sucker. <laughs> right? Because here's the thing. All of the penalty and punishment for your sin, if you're in Christ Jesus, went on Christ on the cross. All of it. Jesus said, it's finished. It's paid in full. So you know that, man, whatever's happening to me, it's not because, because like I need, I need, it shouldn't lead us to feeling insecure in Christ. Last thing is this, indifference to others. Might be an indicator that you're living with this contract thing. Indifference to others. When you see others in need and and suffering, does that move you to compassion? Because if you live with this idea, well, good things happen to good people. And if you have good things happen to you, that's because you deserve those things. And if you have bad things happen to you, that's because you deserve bad things. Then if you see somebody in some sort of bad situation, be like, well, they're just getting one they deserve. And you might not say that like that. But are you moved towards helping others or not? Those guys that are waiting around at the 11th hour, the 11th hour workers. I think sometimes we could think, well, yeah, they're just lazy. They only worked an hour. It's not that they're lazy. The the master asked them, why are you still here? What's their reply? Because no one hired us. They'd been there all day. They're waiting in the spot, hoping to get work. Now, why do you think that no one hired them? Do you think it's because they looked super capable? No. The workers that didn't get hired, it's like, man, these people are probably look pretty weak. Maybe they've aged quite a bit. I don't know if they could work like the young pups. These are kind of like the least desirable workers. It would be harder for them to find work and sustain themselves than it would be for anybody else. And when they get paid a whole day's wage, are the other workers that are probably more capable actually in a better situation, are they like, that's cool. I'm glad that they got more because they're probably in really need. No. They actually now don't even, they don't, they don't like them. And so they're moved, we could be moved to indifference to others. We're typically less generous to those that we don't think deserve it. 
haven't earned it. So we have that mentality. I deserve more than what I have. Deserve more than I get. But that's not the point of the story. It's not the main point. Yes, Jesus is pointing out our mindset. But the point, the point isn't like, well, life's just not fair. Deal with it. What is, he's pointing that out. But he's mainly, what he's mainly doing is this. He's pointing you to the grace and generosity of Christ. Pointing you to the, to the and so here, here's the second point. We get more than we deserve. Look at verse 15. And I, if, you, if you like to mark in your Bible, and I'm, I mean, kind of telling you to mark in your Bible so you'll be looking at your Bible, not just looking at me. Verse 15. Are you jealous? Oh, yep, wrong mentality. Because I'm generous. Underline circle. Because I'm generous. The master is acknowledging, yeah, I gave those guys a lot. They only worked an hour. But I, he did it because he was generous. He's like, what do you care what, what I do with what's mine? Don't I have the right to do whatever I want to with what's mine? And, and I mean, e- even like when we, when we read this parable, a lot of times we'll, we'll go to like, oh, people that came to Christ earlier in life than those who came to Christ later in life. Or, or, or maybe the, the Jews you know, they kind of were exposed to God first. And Jesus is warning them about the Gentiles that are about to be grafted in after his death resurrection. That's not the point. Because in both of those situations, what are you using as the reference point? You. You think you're the reference point. Here's the thing. You're not the reference point. God is. He's only showing you the distinction of the workers for you to get it. God is generous. God likes to be generous. The last will be first. The first will be last. God does not be generous or gracious or reward based on people's way of doing it. It's not based on what we deserve. In the parable, the the landowner is not like a poor planner. Oh gosh, man, I need to scramble to get this done. It's not like the other workers are lazy that he hired. No, it's none of that. He's going out to, it seems like he has so much things to do, so much things to give. That's the point. He's giving out of his abundance, out of his generosity. The master is even generous to these ones that are probably didn't work as hard as the other ones. Or couldn't. God delights to give his people, his servants, more than they could ever deserve. Right? That, that's, that's the mentality that we need to have. God has given you more than you deserve. James 1, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every one of them. And, and here's the reality. All of us and you we're the 11th hour workers. That's the reality. We think that we might be the, the first ones, but we're not. Jesus came to you when you were not desirable. Jesus came to you not because you were strong or because you were pretty moral and you just needed a touch up. Jesus came to you when you had nothing to contribute. 
I mean, really, it's not just that you... You're really, in reality, we're not even the 11th hour workers. Because they worked an hour. In reality, we're not even that. We, we worked nothing for our salvation. We worked... We, we, can, we chipped in zero amount to get God. To get anything that He rewards us. We did absolutely nothing to earn it, deserve it, kind of help with it. It's, it's not that God is being just kind of generous to us. He's being hilariously generous to us. Crazy generous. Because all, you, all we were, all you were was dead in your sin. Lost. Broken. That's it. All you were was in desperate need. And Jesus came. Right? We've earned nothing. The wages of sin is death. If we want God to be fair to us, it would literally kill us. That's the only thing that, that we get if things are fair. The wages of sin is death. But, but the gift of God. The, the gift, the, the thing that he lavishes on us. Hey, you didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, but it's a gift. Is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That he's given to us. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. You get far more than you deserve. And he delights to give you far more than you deserve. I know it's, e- it's easy when, when things don't happen. We get back into jealousy, anger, insecurity with God, all of those things. But I just, I, any time that you feel yourself starting to go there, oh, starting to feel angry, envious, jealous, whatever, insecure with God, remember how your relationship started with him in the first place. It started completely based on his grace. Completely. It's not going to suddenly shift to, not be, to operating not on His grace. Or, or, or think, Romans 8, 32. God didn't spare His own Son for you. But if you want to talk about what God gave you, God's like, here's my one and only begotten Son. I'm going to send Him to die in your place. Do you think now He's going to like, jip you? Do you think now He's going to hold out on you? Well, I know I gave you my Son... But now I just, you know what? Nah, no raise. His love is not calculated. He's generous to a fault. It's not based on human earning that God is is generous or gracious. It's based on His character. His faithfulness. I like this quote from Tim Keller. He says, if Jesus didn't complain when he received a life infinitely worse than he deserved, how can I complain while I experience a life infinitely better than I deserve? Jesus did not deserve the death he got, but he did not begrudge it. We do not deserve the salvation that we receive through his suffering, but he does not begrudge it either. Why then do I begrudge some other blessing given to someone? when what I have given to me is something that I did not earn. We've been given far more. And so, just real quick, how do we shift our mentality, right? We could be like, okay, 
I shouldn't have the mentality of I deserve more than I get. I should think I have been given more than I deserve. But how do I make that shift? Just one quick thing. There's probably more ways, but I think this is a really big one. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Start thanking God consistently for everything that he's done. For Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. First Thessalonians, rejoice always, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Or if you're just like, well, what's God's will for me? Bam, give thanks. When you give thanks, that takes your, your mind and your, your, your heart off of what you don't have to what God has given you. It, t- it helps you take your mind off of what you think you deserve rather than viewing everything as a gift. Thankfulness smashes complaining, comparing, entitlement. It will turn you away from, from jealousy and resentment into thankfulness to God and contentment with what God has given you. It reminds you, just thanking God like consistently, lots, constantly, reminds you that of all of the good gifts that he's given you, there's no reason for you to be insecure with God. Because he absolutely loves you. More than you could ever know. It helps you, even thanking God for things helps you to recognize your need for him. And that the people around you also have great need of his grace. I mean, if, so just start thanking God for, for who he is, for what he has given you.